0: Fatima Ghana, join me on episode 30 of the podcast. Fatima Ghana are a Dutch harmonica quartet who first formed in 1980 after meeting at the Eindhoven Harmonica Club. Two of the original members survived from that time, with the current lineup existing since 2001. The group have played at many festivals around the world, including in Asia, where harmonica groups are still very popular. They have released six albums with their latest one in 2017, including four guest harmonica players from across Europe. They share how they put together their own arrangements, how they get their sound and what life is like on the road for a touring harmonica group. A word to my sponsor again. Thanks to the Lone Wolf Blues Company, makers of effects pedals, microphones and more designed for harmonica. Remember, when you want control over your tone, you want Lone Wolf. So hello, Fatima Garner, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, Neil. Let's start off with the name Fatima Garner, which I understand means mirage, and there's a a sort of form of a mirage for sort of sailors seeing fairy castles over the sea and, uh, and getting shipwrecked. Where did the name Fatima come from?
1: Well, when we started Fatima in 1980, obviously we had a lot of references from the harmonica community worldwide with many players having names including harmonica or cromonica or something with cats. Since from the beginning we thought that we should try to create our own identity. We wanted to be different from all the others, both in, in the music we played and, and in the name of the group as such. So we just did a brainstorm session and, and Ronald's brother, who at the time was the uh, the second lead player, the second chromatic player, he just came up with Fato Morgana in the brainstorm session. And we didn't think much about, let's say, its meaning. We just considered it to be recognizable and different from all the others.
0: So hows are you guys forming? You say you formed there in 1980. So I believe you all were members of the Eindhoven Harmonica Club and that's how you all met up initially.
1: Yes, true. And, and the Eindhoven Harmonica Club started 19, at the end of 1969. Ronald and I were amongst the first members of the orchestra, both playing bass. So Ronald and I had been playing a number of years in in different little groups and in the orchestra. And in 1980, we decided to play Ronald's brother and Ronald and myself as a trio. And then uh, another lady who was a chord player in the orchestra asked if she could join as well. And that is where the quartet started and when we when we actually founded Fata Morgana.
0: Great. Yeah. And so as you say there, yourself and Ronald, and we'll introduce all the members of the quartet shortly, but yourself and Ronald were founder members and you've had quite a few different members over the years, but you two guys have been there since the beginning. Yeah, true. So what about maybe some of the people who've come and gone? You know, what what happened with that? They just had life circumstances, which meant they had to leave the quartet and and then you replaced them.
1: Well, I think what what happened was that two years after Fatima Gana started, Ronald and I had to go for our military services. So during that time, we were, let's say, we had a pause of about a year and a half or so. And when we started, when we wanted to get together again and start up all the things, then our lady court player, who had been married in the meantime, she said, well, I now concentrate on other things so please carry on without me. So we had to go find another chord player. And then uh, another four years later, Ronald's brother, the second chromatic player, got married with a lady who lives about, let's say, 150 miles away. So he moved house and we had to find another second chromatic player, which became Dirk. Then 1988, our second chord player, well, he quit because he was concentrating on other musical things. He was a drummer as well. So we had Lex as the third chord player. Lex, after six years uh, wanting to concentrate, concentrate on his piano playing and then we had to find the fourth chord player. And, uh, and then we had 1995 and that is where Antal joined so he's been around for, for all those years as well now. 2001 actually we, uh, we had some let's say difference of opinion about several things with our second chromatic player at the time so that uh, led to the situation where we separated and then at the end of 2001 Paul joined the group so we've been in the same group of people let's say since the end of 2001
0: now. So for so ninety years and, and the whole group's been going since 1980 so 40 years now your 40 year anniversary have you done anything particularly in this special year to, to celebrate that uh,
1: actually we
2: tried perhaps Antal you can say something about that yeah, we had an idea of how can we celebrate uh, our anniversary now, yeah, over the time we organised all kind of events ourselves uh, in the past and that was also the, the first idea that came up to organise a concert or something in our neighbourhood yeah that was a tremendous amount of work for us as a yeah we had, it's not our professional life to make music and live from music and organize events so it's all on the side as a hobby so we thought about an alternative knowing that our anniversary date was in September and in September there's also a harmonica event happening in, in Switzerland also Switzerland is one of the countries where we had most performances For uh, we were invited there uh, for many times and we also went there on our own, uh, our own initiative to join events in Switzerland so we thought maybe it's a good idea to combine this and to organize the evening before the event in switzerland to organize a birthday party and invite some people from switzerland and the surrounding areas to join us there and then of course we know what happened and uh, we had to postpone everything so hopefully we can organize something next year
0: yeah that'd be fantastic yeah let's get into just introducing the all the guys now, so uh, let's let everybody know who's who. So Rob, we've heard you talking at the beginning. So you're mainly the chromatic player and harmonetta player, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's true. So I've I've uh, been playing in various groups in in the past, and I uh, I do play let's say all chromatic harmonica. So the uh, the lead chromatic bass chord and harmonetta, and in the group my uh, my position is uh, is the chromatic player and and harmonetta in uh, those pieces where the arrangement has especially been written, including the harmonica
0: could you just explain what a harmonetta is to people?
1: Yes, actually the harmonetta is a harmonica which from the top looks like a little bit of a typewriter or the button accordions that you see every now and then. So it gives you the, uh, the let's say the mouthpiece of the harmonetta is like any harmonica with a range of three octaves with a blow and draw reeds uh, being the same tone and uh, with the buttons that you push you release the air to the applicable reed. So with the combination of buttons on top of the instrument you can either play single notes or you can play uh, multiple notes and form all sorts of chords manually so whereas the normal chord harmonica has fixed positions for the chords that are either on the instrument or not the harmonetta allows you to play any combination of tones forming any particular chord and then also because of the pitch that you have over the three octaves on the mouthpiece you can play those chords or any combination of tones that you play in any position as well
0: great it is a reed instrument just the same as a chromatic has the same reeds.
1: yes definitely if you if you open it up which i would not recommend because i did it once and it took me four hours to get it back together again the part close to the uh, to the mouthpiece looks like a normal harmonica with the reeds and and, and the uh, the body and the reed plates and stuff
0: great yeah so thanks rob so uh, we'll move on and speak to ronald next so ronald you're uh, the bass player for the group
3: Yes, I'm the bass player, and as uh, Rob said in the beginning of this interview, Rob and I started at the Eindhoven Harmonica Club playing the bass. Well, since that time, I only play the bass, so I'm I'm not very good in playing chromatic or, or chord. But on 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 the other hand, I took a lot of lessons playing organ, so I I I make a lot of uh, of
0: music in my spare spare time. So you still play the organ now, do you?
3: Yes, I still play uh, play the organ, also in the in the
0: church. And so, do you see those? You know, the usefulness of playing the bass lines on the organ and and the on the bass harmonica. Can you? Uh, is that something you can transfer across the two instruments?
3: Yes. Well, I th- I think that, uh, every time that I listen to groups or music on the radio, I always listen to the to the bass lines. I'm, I'm not just listening to the melody line. So I really am a bass player.
0: Uh, It's interesting. We all gravitate towards our own instruments, don't we, when we're listening. So early on, you really found the bass, uh, that's what attracted you and that's what you liked. Yes, really. So you don't play bass guitar, though? No, I don't. No. And I understand that by profession, you're a lawyer. That's right. I'm a lawyer in uh, labour law. Great. Well, I'm sure it could come in useful for the group uh, one of these days. (laughs) So, so, uh, so, thank you, uh, thank you, Ronald. So, uh, we'll, we'll talk to Paul next, because we haven't heard from Paul yet. So, hi, Paul. You're another. You're another the, uh, the chromatic players.
4: Yes, I'm the second lead player. I'm the youngest of the quartet. I was only seven years old when Fatima Morgana was founded, so I was not in the picture yet. Quite funny, my uh, physician, he uh, advised me to uh, play a wind instrument for my lungs because they weren't uh, developed yet. And I chose to play the harmonica. So I got to play uh, harmonica in the Harmonica Orchestra EMC in Eindhoven. Well, I was a great fan of of uh, Fata Morgana, and when at the end of 2001, Antal called me, question if I wanted to join the Quartet, I was really, really excited. So uh, I immediately said yes, and uh, since then, I'm a proud member of, uh, of this Quartet.
0: Fantastic. And I understand you were in a, a duo called Duo Cadence, which won a, an award at the Estonia Festival.
4: Yes, that's right. That was quite an event. In uh, 2001, I was there with my partner for the first time. It was the first festival at the Baltic Nordic Harmonica Festival at uh, Pernu. And a year later, I was a member of Fata Morgana, and I came back, but then with Fata Morgana, and I took my partner Remco with me as a Duo Cadence, and we won the Vati Award. Well, we were very proud of that, of course. The only disadvantage advantage was that uh, that award was so big
1: it was a one meter high wooden sculpture
0: that he had to take back on the plane. Yes, so that was a challenge so do you play any of the other instruments, the orchestral harmonica instruments yourself Paul?
4: No I just play the harmonica, sometimes I play the chromonica just to play some uh, riddles, I play uh, second lead and when Rob is playing uh, the harmonetta, then I play the first lead
0: And so so to Antol next, who's the chord player for the group. Hi, Anton. Hi. So maybe you could explain to uh, the uninitiated exactly what the chord harmonica is.
2: Now, yeah, it's exactly what it says. is a harmonica in which you can play chords. So it's also uh, developed that on the harmonica are all kind of groups of eight tones and together the eight tones form the the shape of the chord and you have 48 different chords on the harmonica including all major minor seventh and diminished and augmented chords so so basically yeah you can play a lot of chords on that technically it's also possible to play more chords when you take half of one chord and a half of the chord next to it but for us it's key to keep the rhythm alive and when you play those chords it's more difficult to play them and in combination with, with with the rhythm uh, it's very complicated next to that we also have a second uh, lead in the group who can take over the notes that we are missing so altogether, for us it's more mandatory and key to focus on the continuation of, of the rhythm
0: yeah absolutely and listen to you guys you know yourself and Ronald are the rhythm section the chord and bass you know the, the real driving force behind the group is that something you've really worked on a lot together to get that rhythm nice and solid you're working on it every
2: week it's always a challenge we also see this year that when we don't practice enough or we don't have enough uh, live shows that we are focusing on, then slowly it becomes more and more difficult to focus on that and it yeah, slips between the fingers. So yeah, we have to, to work hard on that to, to keep it in shape yeah, and can be exact.
0: so do you, you guys still live around Eindhoven?
2: Uh, yeah, more or less. Paul and myself, we live in Eindhoven, so uh, we live very close to each other. And Rob is living in the next city uh, on the east side, and Ronald is living a bit more far away on the, on the west side.
0: But it's relatively close, so it's quite doable to
2: rehearse every week.
0: Yeah, so that's obviously critical that you, you actually live physically together. So, in this world of uh before the pandemic of uh, lots of online things, you feel you still need to be able to meet in person to be able to successfully rehearse together. Yeah.
2: Yes, yes, and then still, then it's when you don't have the challenge to to focus on some event, and then that makes it still difficult to uh, to rehearse on the same level and with the same focus that we did uh, we used to do before.
0: Yeah great. I do own a a chord and a bass harmonica myself and I've actually been in a uh, a couple of ensembles. So it's something I've dabbled in. I've never really quite mastered it, but uh, I certainly own them. And uh, yeah, I do appreciate playing them. And um, the uh, the chord's great. The bass is more challenging. <laughs> but uh, the uh, I actually have, uh, Ronald, I don't know if you've seen Brendan Powers going to develop a slide to the bass harmonica. I actually got one of those and fitted it to my bass. And it's very good because then you can use the slide. So you don't have to switch between the two levels of the bass. But um, whether it's quite as uh, responsive as it is without it, I'm not so sure. But have you ever seen that, Ronald? Yes, I saw
3: him on uh, Facebook and, and, and I wonder if that uh, new type of bass with a slide works well or not. But you said that you, you have one. Why do you think that it's better than the normal
0: base? Purely. Because not being a great bass harmonica player, just the ability to be able to not switch between the two levels is much, you know, is much simpler for the movement point of view. And you know, it kind of works like a chromatic harmonica. You're used to the slide, so it, it does work very well. My bass harmonica isn't in possibly a greater shape, so it, it's maybe not as responsive as a you know a, than probably your bass harmonica, which is a newer one. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of hard for me to judge exactly how responsive the bass is with this slide on because my. bass harmonica wasn't brilliant in the first place but uh worth trying out but getting it fitted is a bit of a you know kind of ruins the uh i guess you could take it off again and put the old uh the mold mouthpieces on
1: well one of the things that you could try is uh suzuki has actually recently developed a bass harmonica that looks like a normal chromatic yeah I haven't seen the instrument yet in real. Well, I'm, I'm I'm quite anxious to, to, to see what it is and how it sounds because it means that they had to do something with the reeds to to actually achieve the low pitch in, in such a small housing.
0: Yeah, I've seen it. I'd be very interested to try it. The problem with the orchestral instruments, and again for the people listening, is uh, particularly the bass and the chord, they're expensive, yeah. So it's not really something you would just buy to try, would it? You have to kind of be committed to sort of think, yes, I'm going to play one of these instruments. Unless you can pick one up second hand and in which case they're not always in the greatest condition. Being in a harmonica club like you guys were, the Eindhoven Harmonica Club, obviously that really helps with that. And um we've had clubs like that in the UK at times on and off. and Jim Hughes used to run one. I know you guys know him. So yeah. So yeah, having a harmonica club was really useful and there's a group of you already that you're meeting up. So Rob, is it right that was it your father who started that club, Peter Jansen, or is that just a shared surname?
1: it's true yeah he uh, he was the one who uh well had a let's say a harmonica history already playing in uh, several trios and after he got back from an international event in switzerland in 1969 he decided to approach it more seriously and start teaching people and the first two people that he taught Playing the harmonica were my sister and me, Uh, my sister playing the chromatic and me playing the bass and my father playing the the chords. So we had a family trio, which then when he came up with the idea to found the orchestra and start teaching all these children to play the harmonica, our little family trio actually played our first performance at sort of a... uh, demonstration evening where people were invited by uh, a newspaper article. Kids were invited to come up and see what it was like to play the harmonica so they could, let's say, register for becoming a member of the the newly founded harmonica orchestra. And at that first meeting, actually 40 children uh, registered for playing in the orchestra.
0: Is the club still going?
1: Yes, but they have now, let's say, the average age, age, I think, is above 80. Yeah. So they are not as dynamic as we
0: used to be. Yes, I mean, that—that that is a challenge, isn't it? Uh, well, across music in many ways, but maybe particularly the harmonica and um, about attracting younger people to play. What about harmonica groups that inspired you? You know, you, you listen to them. Uh, I know that Hot Show was a, a European harmonica group, which is uh, quite a tradition in Europe. And uh, I think you're fans of Jerry Murad as well. Is You know, what sort of harmonica groups were you listen to? That's right, Neil. Well, I think that
3: the time then was much different from now, as now we have Facebook, Internet, uh, YouTube. Uh, you can see all kinds of groups. But then, uh, that time you had uh, records, and I know that when I was young, that at our home we listened to the Dutch Hotshot Trio. At that time, I, I heard of uh, Jerry Murat's uh, group, of course. One of the groups that I liked very much was the Blitzer Harmonica Gang from uh, Germany. That group came to, to one of the festivals
0: of the orchestra mm-hmm. and uh, played there. I liked that group uh, very much. Uh, was there any particular songs that inspired you from these groups? Well, I think
3: that uh, Jerry Murat, of course, had many good songs. What I liked most was the, was, uh, the album with the uh, classical pieces.
1: I want to go Rhapsody.
3: The fact is that with uh, Fata Morgana, we now play one of those pieces, one of those classical pieces of uh, Jerry Murad. Which which song is that? Nutcracker Suite, Tchaikovsky. Of course, the uh, Hotcha Trio. I know that when I was young, and I played uh, in my uh, family trio, we played uh, simple songs from the Hotcha Trio, and we tried those songs to uh, to play. And later, when uh, Father Mogalla started, we also we tried to play, and we played songs
0: from the uh, Hotcha Trio. Great, yeah, great. So, uh, a good tradition. I mean, looking at uh, the appeal of a harmonica group today, I mean, you guys, again, you've lasted 40 years. And so, you know, have you found that that appeal is still there? And seeing it's very interesting, it's very, uh, you know, the harmonica fan. But for people who may be not harmonica players, the appeal of the harmonica group today for audiences.
1: Well, what you see is that the number of harmonica groups is, is is coming down for a number of years already, as I think is the general number of harmonica players, but especially harmonica groups. In our country, when we started, when Ronald and I started playing the harmonica, there were still many players around, and there were still many trios and groups and stuff. And when we were playing at a harmonica event in the Netherlands, where they had a competition. Then we even had the original bass player of the Hotche Trio, Gert van Driester being one of the judges. So we got to know him as well. And, that, and, and then we had a real, quite a big harmonica community. And the interest of people for harmonica groups was, let's say, better than it was today. What we see happening is that Europe and the U.S., the numbers are coming down. And only in Asia, the numbers are still going up. And they are quite enthusiastic as far as harmonica players and also harmonica groups are concerned. So we were quite amazed, actually, when when we were invited to Taiwan the first time in 2014 by the the Sirius Harmonica Ensemble from Taipei. They told us that our experience after the concert that we were going to play would be quite extraordinary. And we said, well, we come from the Netherlands, we're quite straightforward people, so we we don't get excited that quickly. But in the end, we were, because let's say they had a packed audience, or let's say the hall was packed with about 700 people, and they all stood in line for autographs and stuff like that. And it took us, I think, almost two hours to satisfy all the people with, with CDs and pictures and autographs and everything else. That was a completely different experience where both young and old people showed a great interest in, in the harmonica in general and harmonica groups in particular.
0: Yeah, and there's a there's a DVD available, isn't there, of that concert, and there's some clips on your website but, you, but yeah, like you say, there's a there's a big passion for it over there, isn't there? And there's a lot of harmonica bands over there now, isn't there? And it's uh, it's proven very popular still. True. And have you been in, uh, invited to go and play out in the East um, much more frequently since then?
1: Uh, so far, well, the first time Taiwan. Then I think 20, 2017, we were in Korea for the Korean festival. 2019 we were in Taiwan for the second time
0: great yeah so it's a nice nice long trip out there and I mean as a concert so I understand you guys have played over 400 concerts together not necessarily in the current lineup but yeah you've done over 400 concerts yet mm-hmm. generally your concerts I think you, you try and make them about an hour long is that right so
4: well it depends we can play a maximum of one hour and a quarter and sometimes when it's really necessary we can make that longer to one hour and and a half then uh, it's just a question of talking uh, a bit more on stage so we can <laughs> fill up the one and a half hour. Uh, it depends on the question of the, the organiser. Mostly it's between uh, 30 minutes and 45 minutes. And mostly it's also joint concert, but, uh, accordion.
1: Yeah, well, you've got accordion orchestras or choirs or all sorts of, 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 of music clubs that do concerts. And, and our yes. participation of that, what we try to do is, you know, harmonica is something where you you know that is kind of a niche instrument. So one of the things that we prefer is leaving the stage when people are still excited. If you play too long, then perhaps you that they, they get bored and and they don't want to come again.
0: With instrumental music, I think you're right, isn't it? You can maybe only listen to instrumental music for so long before you kind of need something else and maybe some vocals. So you don't have any vocals as part of your show at all, do you? No, no, no. And we shouldn't.
4: Well, there's one exception, Neil. Uh, on our last CD. We have a recording of a song with Matthias Prieboiski. It's a blues player from Hungary, and he also sings. My Little Angel is a song on our last CD where he also sings. That's the only vocal part of our music.
5: you, smile, you give me a smile?
0: because as you say it's a it's somewhat of a niche interest but again i think visually very interesting i'm sure lots of people would be you know really wild seeing a harmonica group and the different harmonica instruments i, I know when i when i whip out my big chord harmonica here in the uk it gets quite a reaction so uh, people are amazed to see the instruments have you ever considered entering uh, in some sort of a national television talent competition well actually obviously we we talked
1: about it and we were all very uh, unanimous decision was not to take part in shows like that. I, w- I think we would we, we would rather put the harmonica. It, it would we would take it away from let's say the serious musical effort that we are considering when 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 arranging and playing. And I think that the uh, the type of entertainment of those shows is quite different, and it, it wouldn't fit us at all.
0: It's probably for younger people that sort of a thing to enter too, isn't it, shall we say? <laughs> I would I would
1: rather not connect it to age, but that's because I'm the second oldest in the group.
2: <laughs> but the question also, what do you want to achieve with that? Like I said before, as pure a hobby and we also, I think we all want to keep it like that. So uh, when we would join such a competition... For most of the people they want to make they make benefit from it. They want to do more shows. And for us it's it's ten, twelve shows a year it's a bit around the maximum that we are doing. And we also want to keep it on that level.
0: Great. Okay, so we'll move on now to talk a bit about your recordings and, and talk through your albums a little bit. So you've got quite a varied repertoire in the songs that you've recorded. You know, you play sort of swing jazz, you play pop, blues, classical music you've already touched on as well. So what about the repertoire you choose?
3: Well, in the, in, the, in the past, when we started, we were still learning to play. It was really our challenge to be, become better and to participate in, in festivals and in, in competitions. And at that time, we chose mostly classical pieces because we thought that real classical pieces would do fine in those competitions. So for that purpose, we, uh, we choose, for instance, uh, the uh, Brandenburg Concerto from Bach, and we play that. And uh, later in another in, in uh, competition, we uh, choose the, the Moldau from uh, Smetana. But the Moldau from Smetana is a very long piece. It lasts about 15 minutes. So we, we made an uh, arrangement of that piece that lasted eight minutes. But still, I think that it was not very successful because eight minutes for us is still very long. Later on, when we recorded it on our album, we shortened it to almost four minutes, and I think that's that's great. So I think that in in the past we we choose classical pieces, but well, maybe the festival in Jersey opened our eyes. The the Jersey festival in 1987, where we met many other groups. For instance, the group from El uh, Smith. Al Smith, he played pop songs, and we didn't know that it was possible to play that that kind of uh, uh, rhythms. And uh, after that, well, we also tried to broaden our uh, repertoire to to change other types of of, uh, music.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think that works very well, particularly again for instrumental music. So if people recognise the song, you know, often these pop songs, then then people kind of sing along almost the words to themselves while you're playing it, don't they? So that really helps, I think, carry it as you know, mainly pretty much you know, pure instrumental music. So just talking through some of your albums, then. So through the '80s, I know you, uh, you guys, but again in the different incarnations of the group, you, you released a couple of cassette tapes. Yeah, so there's, that became available in 2000, a sort of compilation of the 1980s material that you guys did when you were all quite young. <laughs> ¶¶ You went to Jersey in 1987. So I, was, I had Jim Hughes on a, a few episodes ago and we talked about Jersey and, and of course he organized that. The best uh, harmonica festival ever, I think uh, is quite fair to say.
1: We can definitely confirm that.
0: There's that kind of the big break for you guys to, to go there and take part in the competition and you won the first place in the group competition didn't you
1: yes we did if you talk about ideas from other players just as Ronald said with the Harmonica Express with, with Al Smith on, on chords Jersey was for for different reasons was a very great experience because we got to know all these and we got to hear and see all these, these wonderful players from around the world and uh, whereas up until then we were really into the the chromatic harmonica and and group music we saw a lot of blues players as well in Jersey, which really opened our eyes well there's more than meets the eye and 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 really look to all the things that are are happening yeah we got all sorts of ideas and we took the classical music and we took well different kinds of modern music to that including the pop songs where we had some ideas from l smith and at, at one occasion what we did was that we uh, we wrote an arrangement well that started with a classical uh, piece which was the first piano concerto by Tchaikovsky then we had a, the idea from from a piano player who started with this piano concerto and then after that went through continuing on a on a boogie woogie Piece, which, uh, which we then arranged for the harmonica group as well, and which we used for uh, a later version of uh, a harmonica, an international harmonica competition, where we tried to show that by playing a combination of classical and modern music, you could show that you were not, let's say, depending on one
0: particular style only. So great. And and he also played at the opening ceremony in Jersey as well. So you know, met lots of players there, of course. And of course, Larry Adler was there. And um, I think it was Jerry Murad was there as well, was he, that year?
1: Yeah. Well, the nice thing is, which was what, what Ronald was earlier in this conversation, Ronald was referring to the, uh, to the album Harmonica Rhapsody of Jerry Murad's Harmonicats. And actually, that particular album, which is an album with only arrangements of classical pieces, all of those arrangements were written by Pete Peterson. And the strange thing about this album is that although it has been played by Jerry Murat's Harmonicats, which is a trio, all those arrangements are actually quartet arrangements. And that is one of the reasons that we picked one of those for our repertoire as well. And what happened in Jersey was that the Harmonicats as a trio, were joined with, uh, with Pete Peterson as a second chromatic player, and they actually played as a quartet, which I think was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. They played several
0: pieces of that particular album live in Jersey. Roger Trowbridge, I've been talking to him about, you know, speaking to you guys. And he he said there's a video of you guys playing in Jersey 1987, which turned up in Japan in 2005. Have you got that video?
1: Well, we do have video recordings from Jersey and uh, obviously we got them from Roger. So I think that those those are the ones. I know that Brian Chaplin did a lot of recording in Jersey and those recordings have been gone for, for a couple of years and then they turned up again. I don't know about the Jersey video, but I do know that in the same year, uh, Jim Hughes and Ivan Richards and Ronald and myself, we recorded a Christmas album in the UK, which and, and those recordings actually disappeared. and were never released as far as we knew. And then in 2005 in Bristol, Jim suddenly turned up and said, hey, a friend of mine got our, our Christmas recordings because they were released in Japan. So that was another example of, well, where you get your surprises from somewhere else around the world.
0: After the couple of albums you you made through the 80s, you released Way To Your Heart in 1996, which contains a a, a few more songs, Moonlight Serenade and Still Got The Blues, so so a bluesy number.
1: I think it was the last time that we did a recording was the cassette tape we did, the second cassette tape, which we did in 1989. So we had seven years without putting out a recording. So, uh, yeah, So and, and, and 1996 was just after the switch of chord player from, from where, because Antal joined 95. Well, we had the combination at that time. Finally, we had the combination of spending time on doing the recordings and at the same time Antal was working on, well, let's say, getting his feet under the table. Yeah, we, we had a lot of preparation time for that album, so we could think about what pieces to go on there and do a, a proper representation of the broad tile horizon that we were aiming at. So I think that, uh, as you mentioned, with uh, Still Got the Blues and Moonlight Serenade... Those were pieces that were adding something to the repertoire, whereas the Still Got the Blues was our own arrangement. And Moonlight Serenade, actually, as an exception, was an arrangement that was not written by Fata Magana themselves. We, uh, we got it as a present from José Peralta, which is, a uh, let's say, a long-time harmonica friend from Portugal.
0: I think you've got a huge repertoire as well. I mean, uh, again, pointing to your next album, For Once in My Life in the year 2000, you do blueset on their song, very famous uh, Toots Hillman song, and the Sonata medley. So... Do you know how many songs you guys? You know how many songs do you guys know? Well, probably between seventy and eighty, I guess. Okay, great. And how many of those do you think you could still play? <laughs> well,
1: that that won't go beyond twenty five, I guess.
0: Yeah, so you, you keep them short. So, talking a little bit about the arrangements, so you guys do your own arrangements, don't you, of the, of the pieces? And is it? I believe it's uh, it's Rob and Ronald who write mostly arrangements. Is it? Yes, that's right,
3: Neil. Rob and I make the uh, arrangements for the group. Well, every time that uh, we think about a new song to play, then we look at our our repertoire and we look at the types of music that we already play and discuss new songs. One of the latest songs that, that we are now practicing is a, a uh, tango uh, because we uh, saw that that is a type of music that we didn't have on our repertoire. One of the issues for us is if we we want to choose a new song to uh, arrange, we always want that every one of us, so all four, will like to play that, that song. And if one of us, doesn't like to play that, that song, we won't play it. Sometimes that's a, a, a problem. Well, maybe Rob can tell you about one, one particular artist that I didn't like very much at that time. who really wanted to play that song from that artist. Rob, maybe you can explain better than I can.
1: As as Ronald said, we, we always check that all four of us like to play the piece because, well, as you know, playing the harmonica is a hobby. We all get a lot of joy out of that, and, and that would be let's say, less the case if we were playing music that we don't like. So we we are always looking for the ones where all four of us get enthusiastic about it. There are some exceptions. Well, in those cases, one of the examples of of a trade that we made was Ronald came up with a French waltz that I didn't particularly like and that I came with a proposal for writing a medley of Tom Jones pieces, which Ronald didn't like. So we said, well, okay, let's not skip both ideas. If you come along with this one, go along with this one, I will go along with the other one. So in the end, we did both of them. And and actually, both pieces have been quite successful in in, in live performances ever since. The Tom Jones one, which
0: I think I heard you play live.
1: If you were in Bristol in 2005, we did that one. Yeah. Uh, Roger has a video recording of that as well, including my five-minute announcement,
0: which... (laughs) Yeah, I was there. I remember that well, yes. Superb, Yeah. So, the, so when you're playing the arrangements, obviously you, you write them out uh, into scores, yes. Yeah. So I don't think you play reading from music, though, do you? Do you memorise the pieces to perform?
1: Yes, the, uh, the process is that we do write everything on, on sheet music, and we practise from sheet music. So the first part of practising is making sure that you control your part, and then we have to play together, obviously, and, and get it done. And then the last piece is memorizing everything, and making sure you can play it without having the sheet music in front of you. We decided from the start, that we would never play with sheet music on stage because, well, it's, it's a distraction uh, of the attention that you need for your playing in a group to watch and hear each other. And, well, music stands tend to fall over during the performance, which is chaos. So it only has disadvantages. So we, uh, we concentrate on memorizing and then uh, putting all, all our attention on stage on playing it right and playing together.
0: Yeah, making it a good performance, too. And I know you guys are very keen on uh, entertaining the audience. That really helps, doesn't it? You don't want music stands in front of you for that, so you can really entertain. Yeah, true. So going on to your uh, your 2006 album, Strutting With Some Harmonica, which is a good album. I understand Paul Gillings uh, here in the UK did the artwork for that album. Yes, he did.
1: When we were in Bristol, we had a long conversation in the hotel bar with uh, with Paul.
0: And lots lots of beer.
1: Lots of beer as well, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, so again, a, a nice uh, variety of music on that album. Yeah, And I think uh, your most popular song on Spotify is She. Yeah,
4: that's true. It's our most popular one. And the funny thing of She on that CD is that we, we have it now on our repertoire, but when we recorded the CD, it was a new song, and we didn't play it as a quartet until the recording. So it's quite funny to see that she is the most popular song, although we didn't perform it until after the recording of the CD.
1: The strange things about CDs, about our CDs, is both on the Way to Your Heart CD and the uh, For Once in My Life CD, the pieces that actually were used for the name of the album were never performed live by us. But there is a live performance of Way To Your Heart because it was
0: copied note by note by an Asian group who then put it on YouTube. And then in 2017, you released the Four Friends album, which has got four guest harmonica players. You've already mentioned uh, Machas. And uh, do do you want to tell us about the other players who joined you on that?
2: Yeah. The first idea was, okay, we want to make a CD and it would be nice to invite some friends out of the music scene or people that we think, yeah, would be a joy to play with. Yeah, we just made a short list of four people and, yeah, we didn't know how the people would react. So we sent the first email just to investigate a bit how they think about the idea to guest performer on our CD. Yeah, in a very short time, I, I believe in one week, we get back four positive reactions from all four of them. The next risk, we want to let the guests choose a piece that they would like to play together with us. But we don't know how much of a challenge that would be. At the end, yeah, everything worked out very well. It was great fun to invite the people uh, to the Netherlands for the recordings. So we had a great weekend uh, together with Philip Achille to record a uh, from Pivakovski. with my just uh, we also had a great weekend uh, and later on one time we performed the song uh, in an event in the Netherlands and I believe one time in, in Hungary in Budapest as well and we made a, ve- a small video clip uh, in Hungary which you can find on YouTube
0: In a field on haystacks I, I saw the video, I'll put a clip up yeah. <laughs> That's true
2: So it was great fun and still when I, when I click the button on YouTube it uh, still makes me smile and remember the times uh, the fun times that we had with Matthias.
0: yeah and you mentioned Philip there. you've also um, you had uh, Antonio Serrano play a song with you as well uh, you first met Antonio in Jersey in 1987 didn't you yeah he was 13 at the time and I believe you beat him in a competition. Yes, he, he played the
1: second chromatic in the family quartet with his father, his brother, and his and his sister. Actually, the Serrano family from Spain—they actually participated, I think, in every single competition that was going on in Jersey. So, including the uh, the group section. So yes, so we competed in the same uh, in the same category, and uh, and yes, we beat them. So we uh, we still have our jokes with Antonio about that when we meet him. I mean, he's he's an absolutely brilliant player and a very nice guy.
0: And you've had Hermine as well, and of course, he was another Dutch player, and uh, she did a track with you too.
2: Yes, so Hermine I mean, came up with uh, with Spain from uh, Chichewa. Now, I think maybe that was even the biggest challenge uh, for us to play because that was most of out of our comfort zone. I think uh, at the end everything worked out very well. I think it's a great adjustment to our recording.
1: We asked them to uh, to select a piece that they would like to record as a player, as a harmonica player together with a harmonica group, which which, which hadn't been done before. So we wanted them to select a piece. We would then arrange the uh, let's say the group section behind that and and record that. and then we would invite the, the players to, uh, to the Netherlands to record their own part. And, and listen to what the total sound picture would be. And that is exactly the way we did it. And we had the advantage of having four people from four different countries that actually played four different musical styles as well. Matias playing blues, Hermine playing jazz, Antonio playing the, uh, the Paso Dobla, the Spanish Paso doble, and Philip playing the uh, the Spivakovsky harmonica concert, which obviously is, is more classical. So that was that was really a challenge.
0: Yeah, it comes out great. Yeah, but I believe also, Rob, you've uh, you've released a solo album called Harmonica Love Songs.
1: Well, it wasn't so much my own initiative to do a solo album. Actually, what happened was that. About half a year before we went to Jersey in 1987, I was uh, I was invited by a Dutch producer to play the harmonica part on a series of CDs where he was doing romantic pop songs. And those were released as a series where he did some of the pieces with the harmonica as a lead instrument, some with guitars, some with the flute, whatever. In the end, I, uh, I just got the idea to buy the the master recordings from this guy and, and, and put them on a CD. And then I decided to do one myself as well. That, that's a one-off thing, which normally we wouldn't do. I'm really a group player, and I I consider it great fun to travel and do concerts with the four of us.
0: I mean, what about the group? Then I mean, you you've been together in this format for 19 years. You all get along well, do you? No arguments and uh, no problems. there, No chance of you guys splitting up. Do you want an honest answer? <laughs> I want to hear about the fights, you know, backstage, all these sorts of things. <laughs>
4: so, if you would ask me what is the most important tip for a harmonica group or whatever musical group to play together, that you get along. Because when you perform as much as we do, and you mostly do that abroad, you sit for a lot of hours together in the car or in the plane. If you don't get along, then that's just not right. So we get along very good. We are not our best friends. We are so different and we are so complementary that it's quite fun in the car. I love driving in the car with four of us uh, because we make a lot of jokes. We have a lot of stories. We make fun of each other. And if you ask me, um, I don't think that if we would stop with Fatemugara, it's not because there's a conflict or something. It would be the age of Rob, I think, or
1: Ronald.
0: Rather Ronald, than uh... <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear you're still going strong then and all, all get along well. And um, Yes, yes. And again, I know you guys are keen on and entertaining the audience. And for this reason, you, you quite often wear different outfits.
4: Yeah, not only on stage, off stage as well. <laughs> Antonio Serrano always makes fun of us looking the same.
0: Do you all have the same pajamas when you stay in a hotel together? When you're Antonio yeah, did say, say the same thing yeah he did ask the question but he didn't get an answer <laughs> you've dressed up in cowboy outfits Mexican outfits and you have all this sort of yellow and black
4: for the unity it's quite good to wear the same outfit and also yeah. for example you know cowboy outfit we especially bought that in Dallas because we had a performance in Dallas and you know in Dallas there are lots of uh, cowboys yeah, they, they they liked it. And what we also did there was choose music, especially out of the region. The crowd loves when they hear a song out of their own region. Eh? So we uh, arranged the Dallas theme for that performance, and we made an, a special American uh, theme block with Stars and Stripes Forever and Magnificent Seven. Yeah, we we think about what we do on stage.
0: Yeah, and, and this time it does. So this was preparing at a Spa, was it? Yeah, so you've been over to Spa a few times. Well, if you ask me, I, I was there once in 2003
4: in in, in Dallas at the spa. But I, I know Fata Magana was there, but I don't know the year.
1: 91 in Detroit. Yeah, that was actually the first time when, when there was a spa festival in uh, close to the Detroit. There was a competition part as well where we uh, where we participated. And uh, that was the first time actually that Fata Magana performed in the US. And then in uh, 2003, we were invited to do a show on the... Uh, the Saturday night concert of the spa convention in, uh, in Dallas.
0: So what about ensembles then? So other people who might be interested in forming an ensemble, you've said it's important to, you know, to be friends. Any other tips for any people who might be interested in forming an ensemble?
4: Well, to get along for the first, uh, that, that, that's that's really important. But what, what also is really important that you say to each other what you want with your ensemble. For us, it's a hobby. We don't do it to make money or something, but just to have fun. So you can also say no to an invitation if you don't like it. We also make the agreement that we like the songs we are playing. But, but also uh, when we arrange, not me, but Ronald or Rob, uh, they always look at make it a little challenge for the individual players. So that it's not just playing one, but it's also to get better on, on the harmonica. And what is also important, if you make an agreement that you want to play on stage with your ensemble, then you have to realize that the crowd, they also have to love it. So you must also choose songs of which you know the crowd loves.
0: So a question ask each time is a 10 minutes question. So it'll be interesting how we, how we can answer this one from the, the group point of view. So maybe as a group ensemble, if you um, maybe you have only got a short amount of time to practice, what do you spend the 10 minutes working on? If you always
4: have the number of the, the, the title on your repertoire, then you practice with all four. Because when you play it a few times with all four, you also get to get used to the sound of the the others. You can uh, listen to them and you can adjust to each other to make it more rhythm, also the volume. If you ask me, uh, I would prefer rehearsing with the four, the whole title, uh, a few times.
0: (laughs) So yeah, we we'll just finish off in the last section with talking about gear. So we touched on some of this already, but uh, first of all, um, the, the harmonica brands you use.
1: Most of it is definitely Hohner. We're talking to Hohner about becoming a Hohner endorser, which we are. We told them that, yes, we play Hohner, but we do not play Hohner exclusively. In specific cases, we play other brands as well. I use, let's say, a whole range of different chromatic harmonicas depending on the piece that I'm playing. I mean, one instrument that I'm playing is actually a combination of, of three brands in one harmonica. The body and the reeds are Suzuki, then the outside is a uh, Honor CX-12 model, but it has been tuned, especially to my needs, by Brandon Power. The sound and and the way it responds is exactly what I like for that particular piece.
0: I only play one piece with it. Of course, Suzuki, uh, they make some great orchestral instruments as well the equipment you use for um, performing I understand you've had quite a few issues over the years with the mixing desk that you use and uh, what sort of sound system do you use to, to amplify yourselves
2: when you refer to the to the mixing console what we particularly do I think is a bit different than what other people are doing it brings us a certain flexibility is that we have a foot switch on stage uh, with presets that we can use to, to change from one preset to the other without moving to the mixing console so what we can do, we can make a preset, one for the typical uh, standard formation that we have, two harmonicas, bass and chords. When Rob has the lead, then he's a bit louder than, than Paul is. But then the next setup could be that Paul has the lead, Rob plays uh, harmonetta, and then bass and chords. And then we just need a, a different setup. Uh, we can easily switch from one setting for one song to the next setting for the next song.
0: And so microphone-wise, I know it's quite, it can be quite a challenge with the bass and the chord. So what microphones do you use for the, for the bass and the chord? For the
3: bass, I use the Suzuki uh, microphone, specially made for the bass. The bass I play is a, a Honda bass. Uh, we put
0: the Suzuki microphone on the Honda bass. And the chord and the chromatics, are you just playing through microphones on, on microphone stands?
1: Suzuki manufactures a chord microphone as well. And we did try that as well, but it turned out that it was picking up sounds not only from the harmonica, but all sorts of sounds from all directions. So we decided not to do that. So, for both the chromatics and the chord harmonica, we use standard uh, wireless microphones. The chord harmonica microphone is placed on the microphone stand because Antal needs both hands, obviously, to hold and move his, uh, his harmonica. And the two chromatics, they have uh, normal mi- wireless microphones that we keep in our hands together with the harmonica. And then we have a special make for the, uh, for the harmonetta because the, the strange thing about the harmonetta is that it has an upper and a lower reed played which has reeds in it with one tone different. So to get the complete sound, you need two microphones that pick up the sound both from the upper and the lower part uh, of the instrument. Well, let's say a long time ago when we had Lex as a chord player, he was an electronic guy and he built a special, specific Fatomogana microphone for the Harmonetta. And that has been built somewhere
0: in the early 90s and we still use it. So brilliant. And you use wireless microphones, as you say, is that just so you can move around more and that you keep the sound more consistently close up to the chromatics?
1: It is both that and the fact that if you use mi- wireless microphones, then your built-up time of the equipment when you go to a concert is, is a lot shorter. Uh,
0: what about any effects, any particular effects pedals?
1: Pedals we don't use. We, uh, we pick the effects as part of the sound settings that we create when we put in the, uh, the sound preset for a particular setup.
0: Yeah, so is that usually a bit of reverb, a bit of delay maybe?
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Okay, so final question now then, guys. So uh, talking about future plans. Hopefully we're coming out of pandemic uh, next year. I see you've got a few gigs lined up on your website. So uh, you're hoping to get out there playing again next year?
1: Yeah, well, we do have a few on the, on the website. We obviously are waiting for what happens to the ones that were cancelled in 2020. I hope that by the time we get to June 2021, that the Estonian Festival will actually take place because we were invited for that. And that would be a very pleasant experience again. And then obviously, beginning of November, we've got the World Harmonica Festival in Trossingen again.
0: So hopefully next year, things will open up. You'll be able to get out there playing again. Uh, I look forward to being able to see you play again myself. Thanks very much for joining me, uh, Fatima Garner. That's uh, Rob, Paul, Ronald and Antal. Uh, It's great to speak to you and the the group conversation worked very well.
3: Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's episode 30 of the podcast done. Thanks so much for listening again. And great on this milestone episode to have my first harmonica group on and talking to more than one person at once. It worked great. And thanks to Fatima Garner for the music and for keeping the tradition going of the harmonica group. Final word to my sponsor again, the Longwell Blues Company, making purpose-built effects and amplifiers for harmonica. Go and check out the website and enhance that sound. And finally, I leave you in the capable hands of the Fatima Garner group, You sure know how to put on the Ritz.